0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 423 of Sustainable Minimalists. And this is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalists, living. On today's show, we're discussing eco-friendliness and budgeting. How on earth do eco-conscious families spend their money? I received this exact question from a listener who lamented, essentially, that buying the eco-friendly items with the smallish price tags, like perhaps a bamboo toilet paper or perhaps a silicone bag instead of a plastic bag in the kitchen. So those smaller price tag items on the market, they add up fast, don't they? When we're spending a couple dollars extra here, a couple dollars extra there, all those couple dollars, they add up. And then there's the big items, the heat pumps, the solar panels, the EVs, the electric bikes, you name it. For many of us, these big-ticket items take years to save up for, and so how are families like yours and mine, how are we managing our money? Today we're discussing the small price tag items, the oversized price tag items, and everything in between. Here with me today is Whitney Lee Morris. She is a right-size living expert, and she has been on the show before, episode 326 to be exact. Whitney came on to discuss gifting boundaries, how and why would we want to even consider asking our in-laws and our parents to stop buying plastic junk for our kids. That was episode 326, and I'll link to it in the show notes if you missed it or if you need a reminder. Whitney, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show a second time. How are you? I'm so
1: flattered. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be uh, connecting with you again. Um Everything is new and nothing is new all at once. (laughs) But I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Where are you in the world right now?
1: Right now I'm in the Southeast in the States and I am in a public library and it is delightful. And yeah, I'm just thrilled to be connecting.
0: Well, today we're talking about a really interesting topic that's tricky to nail down. Talk to me about your values and how it relates to your spending.
1: Yeah. And first off, I just think it's such a a controversial topic because we're always learning new things. Everybody's situation is different. It is so nuanced. It is so nuanced. I just want to say beforehand, just offer up a disclaimer that not everything works for everyone. We're always learning new things. But for me personally, me and my family, what we've really started to try to do is get off of that capitalism-driven, sustainable product gerbil wheel that we've all kind of been propelled onto. And when we take a step back from that, which is really hard to do, right, because everything is marketed so in such a smart way that it really traps us. But when we are able to take a step back from it and say, okay, what do we really need? What do we prioritize? It really comes down to backing up in a really simple way that gets us off of that hamster wheel that makes us feel like we need to spend a ton in order to lighten our negative impact on this this planet. So for example, instead of going out, one of the things, this is such a 101 issue, but I cannot tell you the number of times it comes up one of the things that i see people doing all the time they're like i can't afford to be quote unquote sustainable because they want to throw out everything in their homes and go buy things that are marketed as being sustainable and multiple use and whatnot and that is the least sustainable thing of all right and i just think that even though it's such a one-on-one issue is such a great thing to think about before you jump into anything can you use what you have in your home until the wheels fall off of it until it disintegrates and falls into the ground because that is going to be the most affordable thing and ultimately Of course there is nuance but ultimately is probably the most eco-friendly thing for so many reasons so we try to prioritize what do we already have what can we use within our household what can we borrow what can we maybe swap what can we get at a second hand store and we really prioritize that sort of shopping, acquiring, sharing, first and foremost. But then when it comes down to the actual products, it's really what do we need and employ every day in our particular lifestyle and in our particular environment where we are, where we're located, what we need for where we are. And that's how we prioritize.
0: Well, it's all your answer. There is also a great reminder, right? Not buying is step one. And I say that because even me as the host of the sustainable minimalist podcast, I need reminders. We have been trained since we were born to consume that the solution to our whatever, our woes, our problem is in a thing. And so it's not just like, oh, got it. I've learned that lesson. It's a constant reteaching for all of us, Mm -hmm. myself too. There are so many times in my personal life where my immediate knee jerk, unconscious go-to is to buy. And I have to stop and re retrain myself, relearn or unlearn, yeah. I guess would be a better way of saying that. But all yeah. that said, we need stuff.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Of course we what, do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What do we do when we need something? Again, if it's just a couple dollars and you have a couple dollars to spend on, I don't know, let's say the organic blueberries than the conventional ones, or I mentioned toilet paper, that seems like a no brainer. But what mm-hmm. about the next tier of expensive items, I'm thinking kids clothes, right? I could go to Target, I could buy leggings for my daughter for $8, Mm -hmm. or I could go to an eco-conscious children's clothing brand and spend $35. Mm-hmm. What would you do in something like that? In a so, situation like that?
1: Sure, and I feel that I think I think shopping at a certain price—I mean, we know shopping at a per- certain price point is just impossible for the majority of people. So I think that the short answer is to share, to swap, to to shop secondhand, like that. I cannot tell you the amount of money. My daughter has like three things that are new and everything else is from her brother or from friends, really just speaking to your community, going out and just buying secondhand because ultimately that is going to be the most sustainable thing that you can do unless you have something from around your house and you know how to sew and you can magic something, right? So ultimately, I think that's the be- the best thing to do. However, I will say that we have this myopic view of, of buying affordable clothes because that they're so not sustainable in, in such a huge myriad of ways. That is so much further reaching than just our personal lives. So you stop and think about what products were used to manufacture those goods, to transport those goods, the manufacturing and the packaging, and all of that—the whole product life cycle. And then there are products that are literally made to fall apart. The the, the product life cycle is meant to be short, and then that product ends up—even if you donate it, if it's a fast fashion piece—it ends up going into a community uh, of marginalized people, statistically speaking, where it's going to sit on this planet till the end of time. So I think that we need to look at sustainable shopping when we have to do it, sustainable new shopping through a less pigeonholed viewpoint where we're actually considering what that money is going to in the full spectrum of things and also what that does to our contribution to the planet, right? It's an $8 pair of leggings versus a $28 pair of leggings, like I hear it. But if we can't afford to, to get something that is grown responsibly that's grown locally, that's made locally, that's going to last as it's handed down from generation to generation, person to person, community member to community member, then if we can't afford that, then let's perhaps just explore secondhand like from the onset because the things that are required to manufacture, the water that is required to manufacture those fast fashion pieces, I think we really need to look at the full product lifecycle and the human rights conditions under which those products are created.
0: Hmm. Yeah, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about, you know, the term, sustainable shopping. It's an oxymoron. I know it is an
1: oxymoron. It came out of my mouth and I was like,
0: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, shopping is inherently unsustainable. And so I really liked your point there in which you say like, if the, whatever, the $30 leggings from the ethical brand is, if that price tag is making you pause, then perhaps the answer is not the $8 leggings from Target, perhaps the answer is your local thrift store. And when I say that, I just feel as though my listeners are giving a collective eye roll because I, Mm -hmm. first of all, I say it all the time, but second of all, there is such a um, assumption out there that people don't thrift or shouldn't thrift or it's dirty or it's Mm -hmm. for other people. Do you have anything Mm -hmm. to say on that? Because I don't feel that way. But when I tell people in my personal life that I am an enthusiastic thrifter, they just, their noses go up. And I don't know how to combat that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I got a lot to say about that. First off, I think that the idea of othering people based on economic status, based on accessibility to certain things, is really a huge problem because it's one of the same. Th- things in people, it's like this like out of sight, out of mind. It's one of the same things in people that allows us to continue to buy fast fashion without thinking about the consequences on other people. You know, what it took someone to make those pieces, where those pieces are going, when they quote unquote die, they never die. They sit in someone else's home in someone else's land. So I, I think that othering is problematic and probably requires some introspection. I also think that what is it that people are turning their noses up at? Is it um, income level brackets maybe? Or And at what point, who has caused the climate crisis? Is it the people in lower income brackets? Mm -mm. Nope, it is not. And so I think that if anything, we should be middle class, middle upper class, should be looking to wisdom that has been around for centuries that has no price tag associated with it and emulate that. And that is consuming substantially fewer things and not needing new things all the time, being crafty and and clever. So I think that for me personally, I think that I don't wanna put hubris into it, but like thrifting and being clever is a source of pride for me. It's a source of joy. And so I think it's really just rewriting that narrative uh, for yourself. And then when you feel differently about it, it will then emanate from you and hopefully have a positive impact on the people in your community who perhaps look down at thrifting.
0: Yeah, newness isn't working. Right, it's not you, working. It's not working. It might work in the short term. You need something quick. It's easy. Let's just—we uh, have our credit card saved. We go to Amazon. We buy it. It's easy. It's at our doorstep. It might be working for the short term, but long term, look at the problems that yeah. our reverence for newness has created.
1: Yeah. And it's it, the emissions tag and the carbon footprint. And I don't love using the term because of its, its origin, but at the same time, the footprint of those items, even if you think, well, I just bought this one pair of leggings and, you know, that's not awful. And of course we can't beat ourselves up about everything. We can't. It's it, Society is just what it is. <laughs> but I think that we do have to keep in mind that those leggings aren't just a pair of leggings. They required fossil fuels. In so many different ways, you know, there's a lot involved in it. So if you're really, truly trying to calculate your impact on the planet, that eight pair of leggings has a real ripple effect.
0: Well, eco-friendly living does have the reputation of being elitist, does have the reputation of being expensive. And in some cases especially so the cases that we just talked about perhaps not but in in the case of purchasing an item that is expensive a lot of times these expensive items i'm thinking an electric vehicle i'm thinking solar panels i'm thinking upgrading your heating system in your home they're big ticket items but they're also big impact items they're mm-hmm. big impact in terms of again reducing your carbon footprint that sure. all said these items cost an awful lot of money. And many of us, myself included, do not have money falling from the trees in our yard.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's that's really important to remember that most people do not. Most people do not. <laughs> yeah. So what do we do, right? So what do we do with these big ticket things? Yeah what, yeah. what do you
0: do? How do you budget for them? Tell me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I think that again, it, it, not to sound like a broken record, but it's jumping off that heavy marketing wheel and getting in tune with everything. And how many times have you heard, oh, my grandparents used to use cloth diapers because, of course, disposables didn't exist. Oh, my such and such used to use a drawing line. This reminds me of my childhood or my mother's childhood or my father's childhood. That's because these things didn't exist. And most people just like now did not have scads of money. So I think that when we're weighing big ticket items, it's like, do you get rid of your clunky dryer and get a new energy efficient one? Like actually good news for your wallet. And good news for the planet, you can use a clothing line more often. Or, you know, if you live in a place where like I live in a place where it's very snowy in the winter, and then I we have this, that we share this home with friends, and then we have another place where I'm in a guest house on my parents' property for part of the year, and that's so humid in the summer that if you put your stuff outside, it's, it probably gets wetter. But there are ways to work around this. Like I've done it. People have done it for forever. There are ways to work around it in terms of like just logistics of drying your clothes. So I think that it's really helpful to just pull back. Do you need an efficient dishwasher or can you maybe analyze the way that you're doing your dishes? Can, do you need this really expensive electric vehicle or is there some way to figure out how to drive less or carpool more? I really do think all so much of this is marketing and we can really make an effort to shift our lifestyles in ways that work for us to really reduce the need for these things and i also think it's important to keep in mind if you're reducing the amount of energy that your household requires because you're being really mindful of what you use in your house and how you use it and what you can go without then perhaps you don't need to get the solar panels i'm all for living off the grid i think it's rad i'm just saying perhaps you don't need to get the solar panels because you are requiring so little anyway that it doesn't justify the, the manufacturing, the transport, the end of life of those panels. You know, there's so much involved in it that it's not just the end all be all fixed. I'm very team renewable energy. I hope I'm not misarticulating myself, but I am even more so for team reducing what we use and what we need so that those energy solutions can be larger climate solutions where we can get a better hold of our household and then remind ourselves that we don't need to keep buying something new and more efficient if we are being smarter and savvier within our homes.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking there about EVs, right? I don't know, maybe eight years ago, six years ago, EVs all of a sudden, thanks to Elon Musk, EVs became cool. People started getting rid of their perfectly decent vehicles to get the cool new Tesla. Those of us who had the funds to do that. What are your thoughts on, I already know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What are your thoughts on replacing something? Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your 1980s dishwasher. Replacing things that work. So they run, they perform their utility, but they're not energy efficient or electric or whatever the buzzword is. What are your thoughts there?
1: Generally speaking, of, of course, everything is nuanced, but generally speaking, I personally would try to be more mindful of how I use what I have, what I already have, and then not replace it until I have to. Now, obviously, if it is somehow putting my family, myself, my neighbors in real danger, like if something is emitting <laughs> incredible amounts of, you know, like exhaust or there's, you know, like I don't love the idea of my kids sleeping in any sort of plastic derived Clothing like that's bad for that's toxic for their skin. It's toxic for their bodies. I like them to be wearing organic stuff. So there are situations where I'm going to go seek something out as a replacement. I don't cook with Teflon; it is poison. Go get a vintage cast iron piece, whatever the case may be. So there are exceptions, but usually, I would say just try to be mindful of cutting back on what you can within your usage, and then running that piece into the ground. And not everything is going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. and It's not our job to be perfect, but it is our job to try and to do research on those particular items in our particular environments. Can we carpool? Can we do X, Y, Z to reduce how much we require the use of something and elongate the life of it in some capacity? You know, I, I read a stat at some point that said good maintenance of cars. And I forget what the term is called, forgive me. I'm sure everybody who's listening will know it. So that's great. But driving mindfully with respect to how you hit the gas, how you accelerate, decelerate. There's a term for that that I can't think of at the moment. Those all have an impact, but overall that impact is pretty small. Whereas if you could figure out a way to carpool and pull one less car off the road, X amount of days per week, that impact is really big. And if that's reducing the number of trips to the grocery store by starting your own garden, and that's a whole other topic um, that I would love to get into at some point if we have the opportunity and if it's relevant, but like those sorts of things, thinking outside of the box in order to shuffle your life in a way, can you telecommute? Sometimes no, like sometimes you can't, but is there a way to propose to your boss or if you're your own boss, figure out a way to one or two days, don't drive your car those days. I think that those impacts can be just as big, if not bigger, depending on your situation, of course. Hmm.
0: You mentioned thinking outside the box there. And I would say the whole Topic that we're discussing today of how to spend your money in an eco friendly way. Like, that's a within the box topic, right? Because it's assuming that being eco friendly means that we're, yeah, spending. But Mm -hmm. that said, I want to talk to you about giving away to nonprofits, carbon offsets, environmental charities. How does that fit into a budget? So, I'm going to ask you that question after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet HomeThreads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet, discover their exclusive haven collection, Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com/sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. homethreads.com/sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today I'm speaking with Whitney Lee Morris. She is a right-sized living expert and everybody, I'm going to link to her. Instagram in the show notes, go follow her immediately. Her account is just so great. Whitney, <laughs> I want to transition our conversation to talk about the carbon offsets. Let's start mm-hmm. there first, because I have on this show in the past suggested to those of us who like to travel that in order to travel more ethically, we should be carbon offsetting our flights. And mm-hmm. when you do that according to the way the experts say you should be carbon offsetting your flights. It's not like 20 bucks per seat. It's like hundreds of dollars per mm-hmm. seat. That does not fit into my budget personally. So I, if let's say I'm traveling. I'm not. But let's say I'm traveling to California and the tickets are, I don't know, $600 each for a family of four.
1: Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. do
0: not have an extra $200 times four to then offset the emissions of that trip.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where does carbon offsetting fit into your life? Does it fit into your life? What are your thoughts?
1: Sure. So it is a really tricky topic. And I also feel like it requires a lot of research anytime you're going to give your money because you're voting with your dollars that way. But I, you know, it, it, isn't, it isn't doable for a lot of people. Whenever there's an option to offset, we try to do that. But at the same time, I like to think that if we shuffle our lives around in other ways, we can personally try to offset as much as possible. Then we know where our efforts are going. We know what impact we're having. We save the dollars if we need to save our dollars. So when we always need to save our dollars, I think everyone's living situation is different. But for example, um, instead of donating, because that is a lot of money. So instead of donating that $200 or whatever the case may be, is can you go ahead and Put that in a jar to then um, use it towards starting your own garden because the carbon emissions that we can curb by responsibly growing and then handling the scraps from our own food, if we could get that handled on a household basis, it would be massive. So I don't think that the, the solution is just throwing your money at something and hoping that the organization is doing what it says it's doing. Can you, do you have the space to plant trees? Can you volunteer somewhere where you can go and help plant trees? Can you do that yourself? You're actually physically planting the trees as a great activity for families. Um, is there something that you can do to help sequester carbon while also reducing the emissions required to get food to and out of your house? And I think that those kinds of solutions are solutions that we need anyway. So why don't we, in certain circumstances, can we take those dollars that we're squirreling away for offsets and actually really use them to transform our households into something that is truly more sustainable, not buzzword sustainable, truly a sustainable way of living from here on out. And will change our lives and hopefully our children's lives for generations to come.
0: I like that. And I also like your thought related to offsetting those airline tickets. Perhaps you offset with your time. Perhaps you volunteer like at your destination. Perhaps you do it at home. But the key here, it seems to me, is intentionality behind mm. whatever you choose to buy, whatever you choose not to buy, whatever you choose to offset. It's about doing it with intention as opposed to doing it unconsciously, I would say, what are your thoughts on giving, though, just giving and not offsetting? I'm thinking at the end of the year and December, <laughs> my husband yeah. and I sit down and we see how much money we have to give to nonprofits we do it the wrong way. I should say that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's not we're supposed to be giving throughout the year, but we're just there's not no there wrong yet. way.
1: There's no wrong way. There's no wrong way. Don't beat yourself up. As some so first and foremost, as someone who works for and with a nonprofit and has for a long time, I want to be very clear that small nonprofits need your dollars. So I want to be really clear about that. But having said that, I think that we really should um again just think differently about how we spend throughout the year. So if we are just saying like, okay, I have X amount of dollars left over that I can donate because it makes me feel good, because I know people need it, because of the tax write-off, whatever the the variation is for you and your household, was that money that maybe could have been better spent with savvier purchasing when you did have to buy something? Like, And what I mean by that, or like an example of what I mean by that is, okay, you are donating I'm um, just for round numbers, you're donating $15 because you bought a, a $15 pair of leggings, and we're going back to the kids' leggings, but $15 pair of leggings instead of a $30 pair. So you have this $15 left over, right? But again, what is going on with that $15 pair that that you did get. And this to me seems like we are putting a band-aid on a problem, right? I created this problem by being part of a fast fashion or fast furniture or fast food, whatever the case may be, this problematic industry. I bought into it, which then keeps it going. And so now I have to donate some money to help remedy the problem that my consumer habits are helping to perpetuate? Is it perhaps better that we find a way from the onset to truly be more mindful and responsible with what we're spending, what we're consuming, so that we then can stop the problem from happening in the first place? Again, let me be very clear, I'm all for donating dollars if you have them to donate and not pressuring yourself if you don't have them to donate. But I do think that it's emblematic of this thing that we have to make ourselves feel better at the end of the year, because we were irresponsible in certain ways that we we could have been a little bit more mindful of and maybe helped stop a problem rather than putting a band-aid on it because it's also it really is also obtuse but i really do think it's that getting out of having a quick answer to something is usually in some way part of a like consumerist it's like oh here's the solution for that and i, I just think it's really hard to as you said uh, unlearn and remind yourself every day to to really rethink of, ev- about everything
0: yeah and the unlearning in a society that pushes consumption at every single turn is really darn hard. It's a long game. Again, it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. overnight. I think we all need to give ourselves a little grace. When we go out and buy stuff, we're doing what we've been taught, we've been told to do. And so I say all that to say like if you buy the eight dollar leggings or whatever it is, I'm just going to title this episode (laughs) the
1: legging episode. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Don't don't beat yourself up about it. You're doing what you were trained to do. Just do better when you can. But to that end, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on voting with your dollars. I hear about that a lot. I hear about wallet activism a lot. And so I have some thoughts, but I'd love your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's so important if you're going to buy to really be responsible with how you do it. But also, it's like okay, if you're it, maybe you want to you don't want to work so hard. You maybe don't want to work so hard. We're all exhausted. So it's like, how do we pull back a little bit? Well, we need money to live. How can we reduce the amount of money that we need? Is it possible to stop spending so much money on gas? And if so, what is what is that? What does that shift within our lives look like? And I think that it's just this ripple effect. If we, for example, if we are not buying so much gas, then perhaps it will lead to governments and uh, corporations thinking that, oh, wait, this isn't going to be profitable. We don't need to build this gas line. I think that it really does have a a ripple effect. What we spend, how we spend it, why we spend it, it can have such a huge impact on the globe at large. And so I think it's something to be mindful of at every turn.
0: Hmm. What I hear you saying there is that not buying is a powerful way to vote. By not giving our dollars, we are voting for a world we'd like to see as well. Powerful point there. So Whitney, what a conversation. Tell my listeners where they can find more of you online.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, my blog is com. My social handles are uh, Whitney Lee Morris. Lee is L-E-I-G-H. And I appreciate your support of me. Thank you.
0: Listeners, that's a wrap, my friends. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 423. We will be back on Thursday where we're discussing the happiness formula. Yes, we are. Did you know there's a mathematical formula to compute happiness? We're gonna talk all about that on Thursday's episode. I'll see you then. As always, if you need me, reach out. See you Thursday and take care.